Hi everyone, I'm Sinhara and welcome to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast. This show is for all women who are dealing with infertility, but it's specifically dedicated to Black women because we have a problem with opening up when it comes to this issue. And I don't want to leave out the men. You guys are welcome here too. On today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Dahlia, founder of Six Feet of Fashion, to discuss fashion, fertility, weight loss, and options when conceiving. Where is my prince? Okay, so I am here with Dahlia. She is the founder of Six Feet of Fashion. And of course, she's very fashionable. (laughs) She's just a beautiful person inside and out. And I'm so excited that she's willing to share her story here today. So Dahlia, let's talk about, you know, being in Atlanta. We know like it's kind of hard being here. And before I moved here, one of my dad's uh, co-workers was like, Hey, your daughter's going to move to Atlanta. She better not come here. There's no men here. Um, and that was like 10 plus years ago. And when I moved here, I met my husband like right away, like within like two years of living here. But let's just talk about what that looks like living in Atlanta, dating in Atlanta and looking for Mr. Wright. I feel like Atlanta gets a bad rap. But I wasn't lucky enough to meet my husband in two years, but I did meet my Mm -hmm. husband here and he is from Atlanta. So, um, but yeah, the the dating process is, uh, it's interesting. (laughs) You got to take it with a grain of salt and have fun with it. I think at the point where I stopped focusing so much on it, that's when I met my husband. And did you feel the pressure? Because some men say, well, you know, I've been on dates and I just feel like, you know, some of the women, like they just want to have kids or, you know, they're into different things and I'm not into, and some of the men already have kids. And so there's like that roadblock. Did you ever feel the pressure? Oh, okay. I need to meet this man and he better want a family. And, you know, all these things stacked on top of that. Did you feel that pressure going into it? Um, I think. I, initially, yes. But then mm-hmm. I said, you know, what, what's going to be, what's going to be. So I didn't, I didn't meet my husband until I was about 38. So yeah. I mm-hmm. was already kind of in set in my mode. Like I would like to have a family that would be nice, but you know, if he also, if he had kids of his own, you know, that would be a different journey as well. So I did feel the pressure definitely, but after a while, I just, I stopped putting pressure on myself and just, went out to enjoy my, enjoy myself and, and date. And so when you met him, did, did you guys have a conversation about wanting to start a family, wanting to have a family that ever come up or did you just assume, okay, well, he's going to be in on this ride with me? Um, yeah, we definitely discussed it early on. Funny enough, it, uh, early on in our dating, we had picked out baby names. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know how we got on so the but we had we had already like picked out baby baby names. But yeah, when we were dating, my main focus was, you know, like, are you looking to be serious? Are you looking to take us take this to the next level of marriage? He didn't have kids, and he's younger than me, so mm-hmm. we had the discussion like, hey, I'm older you know, kids might not be a possibility and we have, we would have to look at other options. So mm-hmm. yeah, we definitely had those type of discussions. I do love marriage and trouble conceiving. 
So now, you know, you have this wonderful man, you guys get married, uh, your wedding pictures are beautiful, by the way. Thank you. And then at what point do you realize, did you know going into it, you were going to have issues with fertility or was it, okay, I'm married and we haven't conceived yet. Is there an issue? I kind of, well, when I, when we got married, I was 39 and so mm-hmm. I already knew I was behind the eight ball, right? With my fertility yeah. journey. So mm-hmm. we tried for like three months. They say, you know, after 35, try for about six months. Yeah. I wasn't mm-hmm. waiting. I'm like, I need exactly. to know what's going on. <laughs> so I went to my OB and that's, you know, immediately after the blood test, they were like, yeah, your AMH is low. It was never mm-hmm. above one. So um, she referred mm-hmm. me to a fertility specialist. And that's kind of when I started that journey. And so when you went to the fertility specialist, what was your conversation with her? You know, we know even myself going to fertility doctor, you go through several rounds of testing, you know, different things, you know, and they, and, you know, eventually give you a diagnosis and tell you what the plan is going to be. What plan did your doctor roll out for the both of you? So initially, cause I've been with several different fertility clinics so mm-hmm. My initial one, I did my HSG. They said the tubes, my tubes were clear. You know, I didn't have any fibroids or anything. So we talked about doing IUI, but then there was mm-hmm. that expense to it. So mm-hmm. we were kind of like, okay, we need some time to come up with the money yeah. to, to do that. But then in the midst of that, I didn't have a good relationship with his nurse. Mm-hmm. And for me at that time, I was heavier. So my weight wasn't mm-hmm. issue with them as well. And mm-hmm. so I moved to another clinic, found a wonderful black doctor and started that journey with her. But then she left that facility. Oh, so then, I hate yeah, that. <laughs> and it was like two months after I had joined. So then I had started looking and my, they had BMI requirements as well. So mm-hmm. it wasn't looking like I would be able to even do an IUI without losing weight. So then I started looking into the weight loss surgery and Mm -hmm. because it was, I was on the fence because right. I didn't have time because I was getting older and my, Mm -hmm. I was losing eggs every month. Yeah. But then Mm -hmm. I can't really do anything until I lose some of this weight because of their restrictions. So with the weight loss surgery, so you put the fertility like on a pause, you did the weight loss surgery. What was the recovery time from that before you could go back to doing your fertility treatments? So typically they like you to wait about 18 months. And yeah, I told my doctor, I don't have 18 months to (laughs) to wait. I didn't even try. So he said, you know, he knew my situation. He said, just give me six months before you Mm -hmm. start. And so I did that. And then in that, in that time, I had found another fertility uh, clinic and started with them. Okay. And I guess for me, I, I never realized when you're doing fertility treatments that they want you to be at a certain weight before moving forward. Yeah. And so your doctor, the one I guess you ended up working with, had that specific um, conversation with you to say you need to lose X, Y, and Z? Did they recommend weight loss surgery or did they just say you need to lose, you know, a certain amount of pounds? Uh, yeah, they were more like you need to lose a certain amount of pounds, but I knew trying to do it on my own would take longer than mm-hmm. 
than I needed to take. Then, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the weight loss surgery wasn't, and I had been researching it before because um, mm-hmm. I was at my heaviest at that point and I knew like, okay. carrying a child would just put even more weight yeah. and pain on my back. And stress on the body. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I, you know, the main reason I did go through for, with, I mean, for health reasons, but also for my fertility journey. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't have to worry about that. But the clinic that I ended up with, they didn't have, they suggested I lose weight, but they still were like, we'll work with you and we'll, you know, we'll move forward in the process. But by that time I was already working with my uh, weight loss surgeon. So I put that on hold for a while. Birthing six feet of fashion. So before you did your weight loss surgery and then you're going back to fertility treatments and in between that time, when did you birth the idea for your six feet of fashion? Let's talk about that and how that came into play. Um, six feet of fashion started a couple of years before, even before I got married, I was, I was mm-hmm. slowly kind of getting into it. It just kind of started like, you know, a friend had suggested, well, you always fashionable. You should just post Mm -hmm. pictures on Instagram. So Mm -hmm. it kind of started with that. And then it evolved Mm -hmm. to makeup that, you know, I Mm -hmm. started practicing makeup and I'm like, Oh, I can do some of these looks. Let me post them. And Mm -hmm. then it, it moved into my lifestyle, like complete lifestyle. So going through my weight loss journey and now with fertility treatments and everything going through all that, it's kind of evolved. Um, but I still incorporate fashion, beauty, and, and lifestyle in it. And so your brand is really a lot of vlogging. So you do your videos, I see, and her face is always beat. Okay. (laughs) And, and I can, I can also appreciate, you know, you being tall because I'm tall myself. And so are you six feet? Yeah, I'm six two. Okay. You're six suits. I know your, your company, six feet of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like even starting that brand that that helps you socially and emotionally going through this process? Cause you're able to connect with other people, not even necessarily in the beginning through infertility, but just through like-minded things like fashion and, mm-hmm. you know, um, art and, and that type of stuff. Do you feel like it helped you starting six feet of fashion dealing with infertility? Yeah, definitely. There's so many, like you don't realize until you actually put yourself out there that there are so many people that are interested in the same things that are tall. Like you, I've met so many mm-hmm. beautiful, tall women that mm-hmm. I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Cause I, you know, I've always grown up being the tallest person. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I, I found like a tall group on Facebook. I mean, it's just been great. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Connecting with all my tall friends. So yeah, it, it's really been great. I love that. And then even with the fertility, the support system is just amazing. Options open. Yeah, I feel like so much of your brand kind of like crosses over between the fashion and infertility. Mm-hmm. And so now that where you are at in your journey now, like, you know, you have both audiences of fashion and people um, trying to conceive. So for you, I know you had to leave the state of Georgia, I believe, to do your fertility treatments. Yes. So let's talk about that and then donor eggs and where you are now in your process. 
So the, the, my final fertility clinic that I ended up going with, they have offices in New York. They have a satellite office in Atlanta where I can do my monitoring. And then mm-hmm. they also have another facility. They have specific fa- facilities that do IVF. So they have like three in New York, but they ha- also had one in Colorado. And okay. the reason we chose Colorado was because the the, the ticket prices, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> are lower. Yeah, it was cheaper to fly to Colorado than it was to New York. And the clinic in Colorado, they had just been acquired. So they were relatively new. I had joined a couple of Facebook groups with people that, that were going to that clinic as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we decided to to go out there and yeah, we've had a great experience. So did that save on cost? Cause obviously you're paying for plane tickets, but just for other people who are trying to find ways to reduce costs and find the right uh, fertility clinic that overall, did it save you money versus seeing someone here in state? Yes, definitely. This, this particular clinic um, is known for having uh, lower prices for their fertility treatments. And okay. then, you know, even with the cost of flying out of state, it's still lower, a lot lower than, you know, okay. going to a, a clinic. Okay. And so let's talk about where you are in your process now. So when you were seeing a fertility doctor out there and you talked about, um, I guess, having low um, reserves in, in terms of eggs, what did the doctor recommend for you when you were there and where are you now? So when I first started going to that clinic, you know, they did my blood work. So this is what, a year, a year and a half later from when I initially mm-hmm. started. So okay. I pretty much, you know, my egg reserve was just, you know, low, <laughs> non-existent mm-hmm. yeah. almost. But I did want to try at least one time to do a retrieval. They did mm-hmm. suggest donor eggs and I had been thinking about it, talking to my husband about it. And I actually had a hometown friend that went through the process. So I talked to her and mm-hmm. she, was pretty, she gave me a lot of good information because I never really okay. considered it. You don't hear of, about black women doing it. Yeah, so exactly. I was like, oh, I didn't know this was an option for us. You know, yeah. so once I started mm-hmm. researching and um, the clinic that I, I go to, they had uh, donors available. So with my first retrieve I only did one retrieval for my own eggs I, okay. they had a, a donor add-on mm. part that was actually it was frozen donor eggs but it was cheap it was a little cheaper than the fresh donor egg so yeah say where you can yeah exactly mm-hmm. we'll try that add it on but when mm-hmm. I did my retrieval they weren't able to retrieve any eggs I only had like two mm-hmm. two and a possible follicles okay. and there were no eggs mm-hmm. retrieved but we were able to fertilize the donor eggs at that same time. And, okay. but unfortunately we were only able to get one blast from six donor eggs, mm. frozen donor eggs. Mm. So, um, at that point we decided, okay, let's try with some fresh eggs. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully we were on several lists for other donors and one mm-hmm. of the donors came up and they, and they emailed mm-hmm. me and said, she's gearing up for her retrieval. Do you want to purchase eggs? And we were able to yeah. get six fresh eggs from her and we, mm-hmm. we were able to make three, I'm sorry, four, three day embryos from her. 
embryos. Yeah. And so what does that process look like when they say, okay, we have someone who is, you know, you have to purchase eggs from, which mm-hmm. sounds so crazy having to say that. Yeah. You know, it should be free. You know, obviously someone's giving up their body. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But just in this world, it should be free for people to have children. <laughs> but what does that process look like? Do you get to meet that person? Do they give you a profile on that person? How does that work? So they have a profile. They have a page where they list all of the donors. And mm-hmm. you can get put on three donor wait lists because, mm-hmm. you know, there aren't a lot of black donors out there. And the wait lists, you know, we were like 15 on one wait list, you know, eight Mm -hmm. on another, seven on another. So we had to get put on three different wait lists, but they have the profiles. They have pictures of them. They have, you know, like family, some family and medical history about them. All the donors Mm -hmm. are anonymous, but you do get like a nice amount of information about the donors that you select. And so for you going through this process, I'm assuming at this point in time, you guys are doing IVF. Yeah. We, we, when, I, when we went to this clinic, they were, they weren't even trying to do IUI. They were like, the IUI. Yeah, yeah. They were like, straight to IVF. Yeah, straight yeah. to IVF. There's no point in doing IUI right now. So you find the donor match, you use the fresh eggs. And so what happens after that process? Oh, it was a process. So um, yeah. before that, I had to do a hysteroscopy to remove some. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I had a fibroid inside my uterus, but it turned out it was in the muscle. Um, mm-hmm. So they just did the hysteroscopy, which just kind of scraped out some polyps. Got it. So the fibroid wasn't impacting anything if I were to get pregnant. So I went ahead with the transfer. But in the middle of... Um, me monitoring like the week before my transfer, my mother unfortunately passed away. So mm. I was ready to just give up everything. Give up. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, oh, forget this. But, mm. um, you know, my family, they talked me in there like, you know, she, my mom Keep knew going. what's going on, you know, and I was mm-hmm. in the middle doing my transfer. So mm-hmm. yeah, I had to fly to Colorado to do my transfer. And then mm-hmm. I flew back to my hometown for my mom's funeral that same week. Mm. So mm. in my mind, I was already preparing for the next transfer because I didn't yeah. think it was going to work. And all the stress yeah. from dealing with Yeah, all the stress yeah. and the travel and just, you know, emotions. I was like... And trauma, yeah. Yeah, so this was in November. And mm-hmm. I just had, like, once we got home, it was a week before my beta. And I'm like, let me just mm. take one of these cheap Amazon tests. <laughs> yeah, although they tell you not to do that, yeah, right? they tell you not to do it, <laughs> I think for me, I just wanted to get the disappointment over with. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. before going to the, so I knew what to expect. And yeah, there was a, a little light line. I was holding it up to the light and I took mm-hmm. pictures and did the little x ray like filter on it. Yeah. <laughs> I sent it to a couple girlfriends, like, do you see something? <laughs> and, like, am I tripping? Is this real? Yeah. And then every day after that, it just kept getting darker. And I'm like, no. This can't really be, but, uh, yeah. Uh, first, wow. first transfer. So you got pregnant on the first transfer. Yes. I, and I know that that was, wow. you know, my mom mm-hmm. doing definitely shining down. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. 
so you get pregnant through the, the, that process. What did your husband say? Because I'm sure he knew you were going through all the stress. And yeah. Was he just as shocked as you were? Or did, was he like, I knew it. I knew this was going. Uh, I think he was just as shocked because he was, you know, he was the one giving me my shots at night. So, mm. you know, we had a whole process. It's, it was kind of like we were just going through the motion. And, and then it's like, oh, well, this is okay. <laughs> Yeah. This is happening. And so mm-hmm. it's still even for me, I'm I'm twenty-five weeks now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I go Congratulations. Thank you. I go to all my <laughs> doctor's appointments and I see the ultrasound, like, oh, there's a baby in there. <laughs> in there. <laughs> like this is real. <laughs> it's real. So it's not a dream. It's so surreal to me. And I think for both of us, it's just like, yeah, I yeah. keep telling my husband there's going to be a baby here soon. (laughs) I know. It's like, once you get to the whole shock of, oh my God, this actually worked. Yes. And then it's like, oh wait, I'm really going to have a baby. (laughs) Just preparing for it. I mean, mentally it's like, it's just crazy, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's a blessing. We definitely are super excited because it's our, it's both of our first child. So tips and advice. And one of the things like I love about your story is that you did not give up, right? Like you didn't say, okay, well, I'm in my thirties now. Well, I might as well forget about it. You know, going through this trauma, you know, unfortunately, you know, with my mom not being physically here, maybe I should give up. Like you kept going, you know, even going through with the whole issue of the donor egg and, you know, doing the weight loss, like you just kept pressing forward. So what advice would you give to other women who feel like, oh, I'm in my thirties, I'm in my late thirties, I'm about to hit 40 or wherever they're at in their life. What advice would you give them, you know, who are going through this process or even looking into getting donor eggs? I would suggest getting checked out as soon as possible. Just Mm -hmm. so you know what you're working with before you even Mm -hmm. start anything. Cause I hear a lot of women that say, oh, you know, I'll wait. We're going to try for a year. And it's like, but you know, you could potentially be wasting a year yeah, where you could have known and, and then move forward with the process. Now I've, mm-hmm. I've run into <laughs> plenty mm-hmm. of roadblocks, so many roadblocks mm-hmm. during the process, but really having a good support system behind you. Like I said, the, the internet kind of like sharing my story on the internet kind of opened up this whole realm of like, this huge support system for yeah. people that you don't even know, but that are going mm-hmm. through the same thing and, you, mm-hmm. you know, join Facebook groups and, you know, follow people on Instagram and stuff and have those conversations with people that are going through the same thing that you are. You're going through. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that has been like so helpful. Mm-hmm. You don't feel so alone. Yeah, exactly. And then how can people find you on social media or how do they contact you? Give us your details. I am on Instagram uh, under six feet of fashion, the number six and then feet of fashion. I have the same name for YouTube and my email is six feet of fashion at gmail.com. And then lastly, what, what other details would you give for other black women who are going through the uh, donor egg process 
and who feel like, oh, you know, I don't know about this or, you know, there's not enough black women, you know, donating eggs. Like what would you, what advice would you give to them? Um, having gone through this process? I would say, first of all, you're not alone. We are out mm-hmm. here. You know, it's not just a white thing. Like black women mm-hmm. are out here doing IVF and we're using mm-hmm. donor eggs. There are groups. If you search for Facebook, there's a group I'm in that's specifically for black women using donor eggs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with your clinic, try to find support groups with whatever clinic you're involved with. And on Instagram, if you search D-E-I-V-F, Donor Egg I-V-F, uh, you mm-hmm. can find other uh, people that are using donor eggs. There aren't a lot of Black women, mm-hmm. but there are some mm-hmm. out there. So just have to look and find them. I'm Sinhara, and thank you for listening to the Black Girl's Guide to Fertility podcast. You can stay connected with this movement on my website, Facebook, and on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please join my mailing list at blackgirlsguidefertility.com and on sinharaeastman.com.